Is the hype for real or all for not? Today, we'll be discussing South Carolina's dream and disaster scenarios for the 2022 football season. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. All right, so for today's show, we're going to look ahead to the 2022 football season for the South Carolina Gamecocks. We are just a little under two weeks away from South Carolina kicking off the season in week one against the Georgia State Panthers in williams Bryce. So for today's show, I'm going to look at South Carolina's schedule from week one all the way to week 13 and see what the dream and disaster scenarios are for South Carolina. As I try to do with everything on the show, I'll start off with the best case scenario, looking at the first six games in the first segment, then the second segment looking at the last six games, coming up with the final record, and then I'll start the worst case scenario about halfway through segment two, finishing up the last six games in segment three, and maybe give a quick overall summary at the end of the show. So that's going to be the roadmap for today's show. Let's go on ahead and get on right into it. Now, I do want to be clear about something real quick before I get started. Regarding both scenarios I'm giving on today's show, I'm not saying that either of these scenarios are going to happen. I'm just merely going to look at the schedule and see just how good or bad things could be. Assuming that maybe the ball doesn't bounce our way a little bit, maybe the Gamecocks don't improve in certain facets on this team compared to what they did last year. And, you know, really look at the matchups as well that they have in each week. So starting off with the best case scenario, let's look at week one against Georgia State. Best case scenario, the Gamecocks win this game and they win it pretty handedly. Now, South Carolina, of course, is going to have home field advantage here. It's going to be a night game. So it is going to be a really loud environment, unlike anything the Georgia State Panthers and head coach Sean Elliott are going to face all season. There is also obviously going to be a significant talent gap here between South Carolina and Georgia State. And of course, I don't want to degrade the playing ability of any of the players on Georgia State's team, but there is a reason maybe why they are playing for Georgia State and not playing in like the SEC conference or any of the other Power 5 conferences. So on paper, the Gamecocks ought to do well in this game. This game should not be close, at least by the time we get well into the second half. And best case scenario, South Carolina is not overlooking Georgia State, looking ahead to Arkansas. They understand just how good this Georgia State team has been against SEC opponents the last few years. They will take them seriously and therefore will be very prepared for the challenge they will have in week one against this group of five team. In week two, 
South Carolina goes on the road to play the Arkansas Razorbacks. Best case scenario, they will win this game. And if that were to take place, there would be multiple reasons why. Firstly, Spencer on the offense would have to take advantage of Arkansas's loss of production and leadership on defense. You look at Arkansas's defense going into 2022 compared to their starting lineup they had last year. They have linebackers Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry. Defensive backs Joe Fosha at least I believe that's how you say his last name, and Greg Brooks, and defensive linemen Trey Williams and John Ridgeway all gone from last year's team. And each one of these players played a pivotal role for that Razorback defense. It would also be fair to assume that South Carolina's rush defense has improved enough to be able to stifle Arkansas's three-headed monster rushing attack of K.J. Jefferson, Raheem Sanders, and Dominique Johnson. And you could also probably assume the Gamecocks get some special team plays to go their way. Maybe like a kickoff return for a touchdown against a suspect Arkansas kickoff coverage team from 2021, especially if that carries over into 2022. Now, looking ahead to week three, when the Gamecocks go back to williams Price to play the Georgia Bulldogs. Even in a best-case scenario, I just cannot find a way for the Gamecocks to win this game. Of course, there are some ways in which South Carolina could make this game extremely interesting. One factor could be that Georgia's revamped defense struggles to handle the tough road environment in Williams-Brice. They're going to have a lot of new starters on this defense this year, and while a lot of them, of course, are very talented, it will be their first time being the guys at their position. And going on the road when you are the guy at your spot compared to being the backup and just going in for some rotational plays is a very, very different scenario that they'll have to deal with. Georgia also does have a lack of dominant wide receivers and running backs, in my opinion. They don't have a guy that can necessarily take over the entire football game by themselves, which could put more pressure on Stetson Bennett to have to make a lot more plays on his own to help this Georgia team win this game. And South Carolina's offense could be able to stretch the field more and give Georgia some challenges because of just how diverse the passing attack could be from a personnel standpoint. But the physicality of the Arkansas game, in my opinion, even in a best-case scenario, will have an effect on this game, and Georgia will still win, granted, only by a couple of scores, so somewhere between 7 to 15 points or so. All right, now moving on to Week 4, when the Gamecocks play the Charlotte 49ers at home The Gamecocks, in my opinion, in a best-case scenario, will use the loss against Georgia as fuel for this game. And kind of like I mentioned earlier with Georgia State, the talent gap here in a best-case scenario is just way too much for Charlotte to overcome. I do like their head coach in Will Healy. I think that he can really build up that football program to be a dangerous group of five team in three, four years. But he needs a lot more time in order to be able to build that roster up from the starting lineup all the way down to the third and fourth string, and he hasn't had that time yet. So, in my opinion, with the home environment, the fuel after the Georgia loss in this scenario, this turns into a name-your-score type of game for the Gamecocks. Now, Week 5, South Carolina plays South Carolina State in Williams-Brice. So, with this game, kind of the same deal like the Charlotte 49ers game. The Gamecocks will, in my opinion, come into this game and will pretty much trounce South Carolina State. Have a lot of respect, of course, for what they have done at the FCS level, what Buddy Pugh has done in his time at South Carolina State. But again, talent gap is just too significant here. The Gamecocks do not overlook them for Kentucky in this scenario. And because of that, they end up having a really solid showing in Williams-Brice before they go on the road in Week 6 to play the Kentucky Wildcats. 
Now, this game is viewed to be a really big toss-up game, and for a lot of Gamecock fans, a very important game for Shane Beamer in this Gamecock program this upcoming season. In this best-case scenario, I have South Carolina winning this game, and if South Carolina is going to do it, there's going to be a few things that are going to take place. One, South Carolina slows down the rushing attack of Chris Rodriguez. Not stop it completely, just slow it down. Chris Rodriguez could also be a little bit rusty coming off a potential suspension that is yet to be officially announced by Kentucky, but it seems like he's going to be suspended for at least three or four games to start the year. You've also got Will Levis, and there are other talented running backs as well that you have to worry about. If the Gamecocks can stifle that rushing attack enough and force Will Levis to have to really carry this offense at least a little bit more, then that bodes well for South Carolina's defense. Another thing that would happen in this scenario would be Spencer Rattler torching the Kentucky secondary with the diverse amount of weapons he has at the skill positions. Kentucky's secondary was not that good last year. Kentucky's pass defense, I believe, ranked ninth or 10th in the SEC, which will work out to be maybe the 5th or 6th worst pass defense. The secondary was very much a big part of that, and they didn't really do a whole heck of a lot this offseason to address that. They also had a really important returning defensive back, I believe, Vito Tisdale. I could be wrong on that, but he's out for the season. So Kentucky is having to rely on a lot of new players in that group. Best case scenario, Spencer Rattler and this offense recognizes that, and they're able to take advantage of that in this ball game. Now, in just a few moments, I will continue this best case scenario for South Carolina going over the last six games of their regular season. But before I do that, I do need to talk to you all about our friends at Bet Online real quick. BetOnline.net is the fastest and also the easiest way to check out all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games, along with reviews and news of every league. This includes the NFL, where, yes, you could bet on preseason games. You also can bet on some college football, where South Carolina's BetOnline win total over-under is set at six and a half games right now. You've also got Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and yes, even esports. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering needs, including live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered in all facets. So be sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn the latest about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, and thank you once again for making us your first listen every day. The Ultimate College Football Preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college sports, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season all in one spot. So search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's go over the second half of South Carolina's schedule, looking at it from a best-case scenario. Starting off with Week 8, when the Gamecocks play the Texas A&M Aggies coming off of a bye week. Best-case scenario, this is a win for the Gamecocks, and this will be due to multiple factors. Texas A&M inexperience on their team leads to an emotional hangover against South Carolina after a tough loss to Alabama two weeks prior to this game. Marcus Satterfield writes up a great game plan against DJ Durkin's defense, taking full advantage of the bye week that he was afforded before this game, sort of like he did last year before the Florida game and, of course, all the time he had leading into the Dukes Mail Bowl. And then another reason could be Texas A&M coming into the game being worn down after playing a tough 
three-game stretch before their bye week, playing Arkansas in Jerry's World, then playing at Mississippi State, and then at Alabama in Week 6. Week 9, the Gamecocks play host to the Missouri Tigers in Columbia, South Carolina, and Best case, the Gamecocks win this game, which would be due to South Carolina's home environment rattling young quarterback Brady Cook in his first ever trip to Williams-Brice. It would also, in my opinion, be due to Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks skill players potentially beating up on Missouri's inexperienced secondary, leading to a huge passing day on the offensive side of the ball. Week 10, Gamecocks play at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. I think the Gamecocks win this game in a best-case scenario. Gamecocks could use last year's game as a reminder not to overlook the Vanderbilt Commodores and be able to channel that in a healthy way for this game. And the talent gap across the board could just potentially overwhelm Clark Lee's team, leading to a comfortable lead and a name-your-score type of game in the second half where even some backups could potentially come in and play for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Week 11, Gamecocks play at Florida in Gainesville. Best case scenario, this is also a win. The Gators could come into this game limping, figuratively speaking, compared to the Gamecocks. After playing Georgia in Jacksonville two weeks prior, and then the week prior playing at Texas A&M. Two really tough games for the Florida Gators. South Carolina could use their depth on offense to their advantage, wearing down a talented yet thin Florida Gator defensive front, using the run to set up the pass for a solid, balanced offensive showing in this game. And another thing that could take place is the Gamecocks locking down Florida's wide receivers in the secondary, therefore putting more pressure on Anthony Richardson to have to make a lot of plays on his own accord, which could end up leading to some turnovers as I believe that Anthony Richardson would maybe crumble just a little bit under that kind of pressure to perform. Week 12, Gamecocks play the Tennessee Volunteers in Columbia, South Carolina. Best case scenario, I think that this is a win for South Carolina. South Carolina's home field advantage would give Hendon Hooker potentially some trouble in terms of communication with the rest of his teammates on the field, leading to some stalled drives and subsequently wearing down the volunteer defense at a quicker pace due to how fast the volunteers' offense likes to run. South Carolina's defensive coaching staff and defensive backfield could be much more prepared to face Tennessee's up-tempo no-huddle offense this year compared to the game that they played last year. And then, if South Carolina were to win this game, you would have to think it would be due to Spencer Rattler and the passing game lighting up the scoreboard against a volunteer defense that has a suspect secondary after losing some really solid players from last year's secondary like Alante Taylor to the NFL. And then the final week of the season, the Gamecocks play their arch rivals, the Clemson Tigers. Even in a best-case scenario, I hate to say it, I think that this would be a loss for South Carolina. Now, again, South Carolina could make this game much closer than it was last year. South Carolina's athletic defensive line could give Clemson's offensive line some fits in pass protection, leading to some sacks of DJ Uyangalale and some turnovers to go along with that. South Carolina also has more experienced skill players in terms of our offense facing Clemson's defense, and they could end up taking advantage of that against Clemson's youthful secondary and end up getting some explosive plays, putting some more added pressure on Clemson's offense subsequently. 
However, South Carolina's offensive line, while playing valiantly, is unable to thwart off Clemson's front seven for all 60 minutes in this game, and Clemson wins one of the closest and ugliest games seen in the rivalry in recent years. So, from a best-case scenario standpoint, after going through the entire schedule, in my opinion, South Carolina's best-case scenario record would be 10-2 and with a 7-1 and record in SEC play. I reemphasize, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying if the ball bounced South Carolina's way a little bit, all the things that we need to have happen this season end up working out. Spencer Rattler gets back to being an elite quarterback at the collegiate level. The offensive line takes a step forward. The rush defense takes a step forward. And the entire team uses their talent and experience, along with the additions they got from the offseason, in order to best their record from 2021. Now, what does a doomsday scenario look like for South Carolina? So let's start right back up at the top in week one against Georgia State. Even in a doomsday scenario, I think South Carolina wins this game. Although, in this type of scenario, South Carolina would underestimate Georgia State's experience that they'll bring back. They bring back 78% of their overall production from 2021, which ranks 14th in the country, according to ESPN's Bill Connolly. Sean Elliott's prior coaching experience at South Carolina helps him keep focused while also giving motivation to his players to play harder for him in this game. And while Georgia State isn't scared of playing South Carolina due to their relative success against SEC foes in recent years, the Gamecocks, with the extra preparation time and talent advantage, still find a way to pull it out in the end, albeit in a very close ball game. Week 2, in a doomsday scenario, South Carolina loses to Arkansas on the road. South Carolina's rush defense struggles mightily to stop Arkansas's rushing attack, and mainly due to the offensive line and their physicality. Arkansas's offensive line returns for their five stars from the 2021 season, and another reason South Carolina would lose this game would be Arkansas's coaching staff putting together a better game plan and making some better halftime adjustments due to the collective experience that they all have in college football. Week three in a doomsday scenario, South Carolina loses to Georgia, and it's not even close. The physicality of the Arkansas game bangs up South Carolina up front on both sides of the ball, and Georgia mauls the Gamecocks up front, establishing a strong, diverse rushing attack on offense while getting pressure all night on defense against Spencer Rattler. Also, Georgia's tight ends, Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, and Arik Gilbert, use their combined speed and power to wear down South Carolina's linebacker unit, giving the defense no rest due to the linebackers being stretched thin on key situational downs, which therefore leads to long extended drives for the Georgia Bulldogs. Week 4 and Week 5 against the Charlotte 49ers and the South Carolina State Bulldogs, even in a doomsday scenario, the Gamecocks still win both of these games. Maybe they don't have the greatest showing in the first half against the Charlotte 49ers, but either way, the Gamecocks still just have way too big of a talent advantage over both of these teams for them to somehow trip up against either one, even in a worst-case scenario. If they were to actually lose one of these games, then yeah, there would be much bigger problems for this fan base to have to discuss. Week 6, South Carolina in a doomsday scenario would lose to the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky's rushing attack of Chris Rodriguez, Will Levis, and all the other running backs would slice and dice South Carolina up front on defense, leading to long, drawn-out possessions and wearing them down over the course of the game. Kentucky's linebacker group consisting of J.J. Weaver, DeAndre Square, and Jaquez Jones, one of the best groups in the SEC, in my opinion, makes the Gamecock rushing attack non-existent, forcing Spencer Rattler to have to put the offense on his back to win the game and 
just being too much to overcome at the end. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. All right, so let's get into the second half of South Carolina's regular season schedule in a doomsday-like scenario, starting off with Week 8 against Texas A&M at home. In a doomsday scenario, this is a loss for South Carolina due to the following reasons. Texas A&M channels the hurt from the Alabama defeat as fire for their game against South Carolina. South Carolina is unable to contain wide receiver Anaya Smith and running back Devon Achan and allow Haynes King, their starting quarterback to start this season, to run at will even when they get pressure. And another reason that this game could probably go sideways for South Carolina would be DJ Durkin using his 3-3-5 base defense to drop back eight defenders into coverage, testing Rattler's ability to make the right decision while not having very big passing windows, which could lead to a couple of turnovers, which turn out to be costly in the end for South Carolina. Week 9 against the Missouri Tigers in Columbia, South Carolina. In a doomsday scenario, you may be surprised by this, This would be a loss, in my opinion, for South Carolina. Look, Missouri has got a really solid duo of defensive ends in Isaiah McGuire and Jeff Coat on the other side, which could give South Carolina's bookend offensive tackles trouble in pass protection, leading to some turnovers for the Gamecocks. Missouri's wide receiver unit could provide one of the tougher challenges the Gamecocks have had up to this point in the season, and Missouri maybe takes advantage of the lack of depth at corner and opens up the playbook for Eli Drinkwitz in terms of the passing game. And another reason could be South Carolina just purely having a hangover from the A&M game, while Missouri has an easy matchup against Vanderbilt the week prior to this game. So from a schedule dynamic standpoint, Missouri could take full advantage there as well. In week 10, facing off against the Vanderbilt Commodores on the road in a doomsday scenario, South Carolina, in my opinion, still wins this game, albeit it is a much closer game due to Commodore quarterback Mike Wright potentially going on the run constantly, allowing him to both extend and convert on pivotal plays and get rushing yards in bunches. And maybe Clark Lee cooks up a defensive game plan which limits South Carolina's offense to certain extents, but doesn't completely stave them off as the Gamecocks come in motivated after three straight losses, in this hypothetical at least, to get the win in Nashville. Week 11 going to Gainesville to face off against the Florida Gators. In this doomsday scenario, I project this as a loss. The Gators come into this game with a fire in their belly after losing their last couple games, and they use the home environment to their full advantage here. Anthony Richardson does what Mike Wright did the week prior, but to a much greater extent, putting the Gators on his back and causing, in a way, organized chaos on the field for the Gamecock defense. And another factor that could come into play here might be Florida's experienced secondary potentially holding South Carolina's passing game in check, causing them to have to rely more on the run, which Florida stops enough times in the end to win the ball game. In Week 12, going back home to face off against the Tennessee Volunteers in a doomsday scenario, This is a loss for South Carolina. Tennessee's offense comes in off a warm-up game, basically, against Missouri from the week prior. And like last year, completes some long passes against the secondary due to their unreal tempo on this offense. Tennessee's Hendon Hooker is the latest quarterback to beat the Gamecocks with his legs, causing 
Very long drives, at least from a Tennessee perspective, for the Gamecock defense. Basically not being just like one or two minute drives. And Spencer Rattler maybe isn't able to get into a rhythm due to Tennessee defensive coordinator Tim Banks' pass rushing concepts. The Tennessee Volunteers, for as bad as their defense was at times last year, was one of the better defenses in the country in terms of getting sacks. I believe they got like 36 to 38 sacks as a team by season's end last year. And because of this, maybe the offense is unable to play catch-up with Tennessee's high-flying offense due to their struggles in the passing game in that regard. And then Week 13, playing their arch-rivals, the Clemson Tigers on the road. In this doomsday scenario, I already mentioned I think they would lose in even a best-case scenario. So therefore, obviously, I still think they would lose to Clemson in a worst-case scenario. But in this scenario, the game is a lot more ugly for the Gamecocks. Clemson takes advantage of a clearly weak rush defense that has been exposed by this point in the year, getting their whole running back rotation and even DJ Uyunglele involved through a multi-prong rushing attack. Spencer Rattler goes through a house of horrors with Clemson's defensive front, who absolutely eviscerates South Carolina's offensive line because of the amount of talent that they have up front. And the pressure to end the streak. It's just too much for the Gamecocks to overcome. It really rests on their mind as the game wears on. And the Gamecocks, therefore, leave Memorial Stadium a beaten, battered, and defeated team in a season which there was a lot of hope, but there turned out to be nothing left, really, at the end to show for it. In a worst-case scenario, in my opinion, South Carolina's final record could be 4-8 and and 1-7 and in conference play. Now, I will reemphasize one more time, like I've mentioned already on this show today. I'm not saying that either of these scenarios are going to happen, but this, in my opinion, is just what I think could be the best and worst case scenarios for Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecock football team. And there's a few factors that are going to definitely come into play that could decide just how good or how bad this season ends up. One will obviously be Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler, of course, has all the arm talent. We all know this. But admittedly, in his sophomore year at Oklahoma, his decision-making definitely regressed some. Obviously, it wasn't all his fault. He had some issues with his offensive line, not being able to protect him as well in his sophomore campaign. And maybe there were issues with Lincoln Riley and him looking around at other jobs like the Southern Cal head coaching gig. So, In this case, for South Carolina, Spencer Rattler's decision-making ability could end up deciding the fate of the offense to a certain extent. How much does he get down this pro-style offense, which is much different compared to the air raid offense that he was a part of at Oklahoma? And then for South Carolina's offensive line, how much better do they get in pass protection? Do they get better? Do they stay the same? Do they perform just as bad as they did this past year? Does the increased time with offensive line coach Greg Atkins not make much of a difference for the South Carolina front? And are they able to handle the physicality of teams like Arkansas, like a Georgia, like a Kentucky, and like a Clemson. They're going to be facing some really physical defensive fronts this year that is going to certainly test them, especially early on against Arkansas and Georgia. South Carolina's rush defense. This, in my opinion, is probably the biggest key for the defense period, end of story. South Carolina's rush defense was a big reason why some of these games last year were not even close for South Carolina. South Carolina's pass defense definitely did well in some of those ball games, but 
Admittedly, a part of the reason why the pass defense statistically looked so great last year was because Sacramento's rush defense at some points just looked like a hot knife going through butter. There was just no stopping their opponents on certain nights. And so if South Carolina wants to increase their win total this next season, the rush defense will definitely have to get better. And like I mentioned earlier, they're facing some really solid teams in terms of their rushing attack this upcoming season. These are the three main factors that could decide the fate of South Carolina's season and whether or not the hype ends up being proven to be true or People end up laughing at South Carolina at the end of the season saying that we got our hopes up for nothing. So that's my thoughts on South Carolina's best and worst case scenario for 2022. What is your opinion? What do you think South Carolina could do from a record standpoint in either a best case or worst case scenario? And why do you think that? Are there any games in either scenario that I created today that you vehemently disagree with? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly as as I see him. And also, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more on the entire SEC conference, then make Locked On SEC your second listen every day, where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Locked On take you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. So again, make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But with all that being said, that's going to do it for me on today's show. Hope that you all have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.